Hello and welcome to this week's Companies and Markets show. I am John Human, editor of the Investors Chronicle. I'm joined today by James Norrington. How are you doing, James? Very good. Just you and me today? Yes, in, yeah. In, intimate on a, on podcast. Own. I know, I know. I mean, it's been a very fascinating week in the world of politics, which we're not going to talk about because we're not a political magazine, but uh, I, I'm sure I don't have to remind any listener what's been going on in Parliament. And in fact, the cover feature this week is updating our Brexit-proof portfolio, which, which did extremely well since we uh, put it together about 18 months ago. But we're not going to talk about that today. I think it's kind of self-explanatory that there are the kind of companies you can buy in the face of political risk, particularly currency risk was something we focused on with that feature. A lot of the picks we, we, we put in that portfolio were big US dollar earners. They've done extremely well. However, I think there are bigger risks in the world uh, than Brexit at the moment. And that's what we're going to talk about today, James. It's, it's a, uh, an, an extended discussion around uh, a presentation you went to this week from some famously bearish people. But there's a lot to take from this presentation. Uh, there's a huge amount, and actually, probably uh, can't remember all of it. Uh, to be honest, there's so much. Um, so it was speaking. Uh, it's a huge presentation. It's, it's huge um, in, in a very tiny, tiny little booklet. Yeah, which little I really booklet like with it. some brilliant charts. Um, so it was. Uh, I went to the the SG uh, Global Asset Strategy Conference. That's an annual affair held in Met Hotel in Mayfair. And, and just just for the reader's benefit, we've we've you've summarised the key takeouts from that. Uh, presentation in the new spotlight this week on page 11 but there's a lot more to be said than what you've said in the magazine well there's there's i mean I, it's actually it wasn't even the key takeout i guess i mean the key thing um the, the sg just gives some background that they're, they're famously bearish albert edwards the the economist there um he he to start with, we've got to say he has been wrong for the last 10 years because he's a perma bear. But when he has been right, he gets it very right. And actually, when the reason that I looked in the news spotlight this week, it's actually, you know, they're, they're not alone. It's not just uh, just Albert. It's um, it's actually um, the, the Fed is uh, is sending some, some pretty uh, uh, bearish signals about the US economy. And uh, um, and as we know, sort of, um, it's still true um, that when, when America sneezes, the world catches a cold. So, so I mean, let's, let's clarify what the Fed has actually been doing. Uh, um, we, we have, I think we've discussed. I think we discussed this last week uh, with Simon very briefly. But the the general point is that the Fed had been essentially uh, ending its programs of QE, raising rates because everything was hunky dory, and that seems to have kind of come to an end. Well, obviously, the American economy it, it had um, it was enjoying the sugar rush of the, the Trump tax cuts, um, but really the U.S. stock market, the S and P five hundred, uh, uh, was. was going gangbusters then and eventually the the fed rate tightening cycle um has started to cause jitters and actually um that's sort of seen the return of volatility um and and in recent weeks sort of uh, after its final tightening in the love uh, the last cycle in december um not, not the, the cycle but it's uh, most recent um race of 25 basis points in december uh, the fed has since recently been making much more dovish noises trying to change the narrative a bit i think it's possibly been spooked by how how messy things have got but interestingly in the in the SG presentation, uh, one of the things they looked at, which I've, I've looked at in the in the spotlight here, is um, is actually they, they've looked at, at sort of the companies with weak balance sheets and and the effect that um, uh, that, that tightening is, is having on is having on those companies in the US and and uh, and you know, if you look below the the, the real top. Um, Corporate beer moths in the in the US, uh, the, the the small mid cap companies, yeah, you know, they're not in such a good place, and uh, and they they and I think that the, the pace of rate tightening was was beginning to bite them quite badly. How, how does that affect those companies? Well, in, in terms of you know they've uh, it's uh, the in 
in terms of their balance sheet, the, the US, uh, you know, they, in the QE eras uh, and, and when, when, when interest rates were extraordinarily low, uh, people took on an incredible amount of leverage. Companies took on an incredible amount of leverage. And, and that, uh, that's true around the world. That's true around the and world. And it's true of consumers as well around yes, the world. Yes, it's, it's but for US corporates, uh, there was largely to fund buybacks. Which was, incidentally, the subject of Paul mm. Jackson's piece last week, yeah. which is very interesting. Yeah, and uh, and that obviously that that helped flattered some of the multiples that um, that are looked at when CEOs are given their annual bonuses, which uh, is what the CEOs were doing, uh, and they're actually very short termist, and uh, and it's weakened uh, it's weakened these companies' balance sheets, uh, taking on debt. Debt gets more expensive when it needs to be rolled over and reserviced at a higher rate. Uh, that increases um, uh, you know the the obligations the fixed obligations a company has, and, that, and therefore that's less spare cash for shareholders. I mean, it's quite interesting you say, you know, when they have to re- refinance, but is that starting to happen now then? That, uh, is that refinancing moment coming around for a lot of companies? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't actually looked at sort of data of, um, of, of companies and, and, and what they're, they're doing on sort of the, the, the corporate bond. Uh, uh, but it would certainly affect the outlook. But it, but it would. It would affect the outlook. Um, and, uh, and, and it actually starts to make some of those liabilities uh, look a, a bit less manageable. And also you, it would then have a, a kind of, um, whilst buybacks are flattered earnings, uh, the, a rising cost of debt would obviously have a detrimental effect. It, exactly. And, uh, and, you know, with uh, uh, without the effect of, uh, of sort of the, the the repatriation of cash with the tax cuts and things that, that have uh, helped flatter some of the, the real uh, big boys over the last year, um, uh, then then it's actually uh, the picture for the for the U.S. stock market as a whole looks looks less rosy. And, and the chart in the in the in, in the new spotlight this week, uh, we've looked at um, uh, sort of the long short strategy uh, of, 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 of going long on companies with strong balance sheets and short on companies with weak balance sheets in the US. Um, and that strategy was really starting to, 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 to do very well in America. And I think and Andrew Lapthorne at SG raised the point uh, that uh, that actually that, that possibly, um, you know, that, that the Fed was trying to get it get to grips with the pressure that, that companies with weak balance sheets were under. And um, was that something that could could sort of tip an economy into recession and that's why it started to make more dovish noises and you you can see that that strategy has has actually dropped off in its success since since uh, since some of the more dovish comments have come out from jerome powell very, very sharply indeed yeah. in fact and actually uh what the chart shows it's uh a number of global indices but there's a couple of u.s indices in there one of which is the s&p 500 which is the larger companies one of which is the russell 2000 which w- is the smaller companies the, yes mid cap and smaller companies and and, and actually that th- those are those are the the smaller companies the, probably the companies are probably you know, like the FTSE 250 here, more indicative of perhaps the real economy um, uh, in, in you know real domestic eco- economy that you know not, not less global, um, and uh, and that so that that was really yeah that's that's quite stark. Okay, um, so, and, so that's a sort of technical financial problem that companies are facing, but I guess there is a bigger problem that all companies and, and in fact everyone is facing wherever you are, and that is the the dreaded R word, which is in, increasingly being referred to recently. Yeah, I mean it's it's recession. We've um uh, uh we are at a point in the cycle. Um and what what's happened uh in in the past, you know, the, the, with when we had super monetary policy um which which has has been used uh, to sort of to inflate assets and uh um really now um, we we're looking at um uh, th- th- there's there's still seen some very Bad negative. If you look in Europe, um, the, the unemployment figures in France and uh, and, and in Italy um, have been have been very bad for a while. Um, 
and uh, and I think now as as the world is is embarking on monetary tightening, that, that this uh, this could could start um, the real world problems could start feeding into um, into asset markets and also um, uh, asset markets uh, potentially that that's where they could uh, could actually lead into um, in, in, into recession. And I think an interesting stat that they that was mentioned in the conference was actually um, three out of four of the last recessions have actually um, uh, have sort of started with financial shocks. Yeah, I mean it's, it's mostly charts this presentation, but but uh, there's a few cartoons in there. Uh, one of which is. Um, uh, bull bear and the elephant in the room which is which is as you say the cycle and you know there have been certain politicians over the years who've suggested that the, the days of the cycle were over but that's obviously not the case yeah things such as so caos for example are not very confident that's that's a chart that's that's, that's been referred to here the, the u.s manufacturer uh, the caco confidence index uh, has sort of dropped off a cliff towards the end of 2018 uh following falls in um in uh, in in u.s uh, well, that's US, that's US, in the US, um, yeah. and globally, um, and, and and the US is probably the, the, the strongest economy, in, you know, the strongest major economy in the world right now, really. Yeah, um, but but interestingly, um, you know, we've uh, people talk talk about having I mean, President Trump's very fond of talking about um, jobs growth. Um, at one of the slides in the presentation was actually talk, uh, showing how um, jobs growth can spike just ahead of recessions, uh, uh, as it did um, uh, ahead of 2008, as it did uh, ahead of uh, 2000, uh, as it did uh, ahead of 1991. Did they explain why that was the case? Because I mean, jobs growth is something that's, that's often mentioned by politicians in this country, particularly in the context of Brexit, given that you know there were predictions of a, of a horrible economic performance post the referendum, which never materialised, and and politicians often cite the, the, the jobs growth performance of the UK uh, since the referendum as, as, as something to, to, to look at positively, but, but perhaps not. And I, I, can't, I can't even begin to comprehend why that might be the case. Over-exuberance? Well, possibly. I mean, it might be a, a case of, um, of, of uh, yeah, companies taking on people at the, the very peak of the cycle um just as you know, you know we all know that sort of getting uh, sign off on uh, on on uh, on positions within a company is a difficult laborious process um and you have to jump through hoops um and perhaps it's the same with a lot of companies that, that you're hiring um late on and uh, and then just as you get you get your head count through then then things drop off again yeah i mean it's, uh, it's, it's, but, yeah uh, we kind of imply that management are not very good at reading business cycles but uh <laughs> well <laughs> but i never said that um it is it is quite interesting i mean there are a lot of charts in this presentation what what struck you most about you know what which chart did did you really look at and think wow that's 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 kind of that's really food for thought i mean we've got we've got lots of everything is covered here Every negative indicator you could possibly imagine is in here. Well, it's known as Woodstock for Bears, this, uh, this <laughs> conference. So uh, um, it's... Uh, well, actually, I find quite interesting, I think, just given uh, what's going on with... Um, uh, we're talking with the, the Brexit debate now. Obviously, we're, that's a, the, 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 the B word. Um, all the negative uh, uh, talk about the UK... But actually, I quite like the slide which showed the report card on how euro area countries uh, have fared on various currency area metrics, which shows, and this was the striking a statistic that really jumped out at me, uh, in terms of uh, that France, Italy and Spain, which together make up 40% of Eurozone GDP, actually secure uh, a very low grade um, on performance uh, in euro area metrics. 
performance um, in terms of an GDP aggregate. growth or, well, or so, it so it's a number of metrics so so they they looked at a, a scorecard um, sorry looked at a scorecard um looking at favorable financial conditions um ability to borrow uh integration uh, pre-crisis uh, their, their competitiveness versus uh, pre-financial crisis productivity growth uh, post-crisis competitiveness inflation anchoring uh, post-crisis labour costs, fiscal policy option, and uh, and pre-crisis labour costs, and on all of these um, measures. Um, so since the, the eurozones uh, uh, on most of these, so France, Italy, and Spain actually um, don't look so bad on on financial conditions. But obviously, that's probably due to eurozone QE. Well, it's essential. Um, it's essential yeah. Euro, Euro, uh, ECB policy. Yeah. On, on all the others, which haven't been sort of artificially pumped up. Uh, they're they're doing very badly, um, and that's 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 interesting. Uh, that's interesting to me that that Germany scores number one, and these other three, uh, the three other three other, I'd say the big four in in Europe, have done very poorly. Well, that um, could that uh, could feed quite nicely into various Eurosceptic uh, narratives, but uh, yeah, there well, uh, there you go. So you know, we hear all these wonderful things, and uh, and it's interesting just to see the other side of the picture. Although I hasn't tried, and what I think I think um, Albert Edwards is def- definitely a bear on the euro. Um, he didn't give any sort of opinion on how he felt about Europe. It's, it's interesting. The very next couple of pages are about China. Um, and, and, you know, for a perma bear to have a slide that says China's, China's hard landing has long been predicted. I mean, they, it, it's kind of a little joke at their own expense, mm. I, I guess. But China's, it, China's economy is looking a bit troubled at the moment. We discussed this last week in respect of uh, car sales uh, specifically. Um, but Germany is having some, some growth issues at the moment. And that must be related to China. China must be, if the cycle is the elephant in the room, then China, China must be, you know, the uh, the mammoth. Well, Chinese industrial profits are falling again. Um, now, China, um, you know, that, that, that essentially, uh, I think Phil wrote in, in his Alpha report last week that, that he sees the similarities with um, Western economies pre crashes, with the uh, debt bubble being inflated, demographics, and, and, and demographics. And China is in. Well, I, I guess I wonder if, if finally now the one-child policy is coming home to roost. Um, well, a- absolutely, yeah, yeah abso- absolutely, absolutely. There was an interesting couple of slides. Um, I mean, let's let's get back to the markets rather than uh, the economics um, value is something that they discussed uh, at length in this presentation. And I know value is something that you uh, have been looking at in respect of a piece you've written for our FTSE 350 um, supplement, big, big feature that we do once a year, which comes out next week. So not this Friday, the Friday after. But value is something that a lot of people are taking much more interest in at the moment. Well, yeah, essentially, um, we, the, the rising amount of dispersion in stock markets um, as as uh, as monetary policy is is scaled back, but uh, support is, is scaled back, and in, um, in some cases withdrawn. We're looking now much more at fundamentals with companies, and actually, uh, one of the interesting slides in the presentation was that actually, um, yeah, value value can still can still fall. Um, you know, when even uh, when growth when growth doesn't doesn't work, you can still don't don't expect. You know, it's not a free free ride. It's you, you, when a, when the downturn comes, you're going to get hurt with value, but possibly less so than with with highly value high price growth stocks. But but you then get the upside with value after sort of you have to take your medicine first. Yes, yeah, so, so they're not perfectly inversely. It's not perfectly inversely. Cons- no, not at all. Um, but the interesting thing is, um, so one of the things that they they looked at was um, was actually, and, and this is a strategy I think that that, that SG have have um, have implemented with with uh, some of their indices. They've got a something where they they will they looked at the, the difference between. Um, 
uh, picking value stocks with a higher correlation of bonds um, and picking value alone and, and growth stocks alone. And actually, uh, value stocks and um, and bonds, that combination, um, was better um, – was Work, perform better in downturns than uh, than, than some of the, the highly valued and expensive growth stocks. This is kind of something Phil, I think Phil has touched on this in his Alpha uh, newsletter. This yes, week. Uh, he's, where he's he's been looking at he's, he's he's actually he's been rereading Ben Graham's Intelligent Investor. So I've just I've just been reading his report upstairs. Quite um, a simple formula was, there around kind of allocations toward equity yeah, that, bonds. Yeah, that, that's simple equity bond allocations. At SG they, they've got quant strategies that's headed headed up by Andrew Lapthorne. They've um, uh, um, They've, you know, so they've they've looked at a, an index of, uh, of value and bonds uh, of, of just value stocks. So so quant, um, so style value style and, and bonds, and and that has that has performed uh, much better. So that's that's interesting. So so I guess I mean uh, there was a word on this this slide that I'm looking at. I know you're uh, struggling to get there because there was so, so many slides. <laughs> yeah. um, um, I, can you get this thing online? Uh, I've actually got a soft copy, but it's, it's sort of to. Uh, um, it's uh, it's available to us uh, uh, who went to the presentation. I'm not sure if it's available. It's, it's probably it might be a MIFID uh, compliance issue yeah. distributing this to retail investors. So sorry, uh, re- sorry, readers, listeners, yeah. we'll, have to, uh, we'll just have to tell you about it. There's a side I'm looking at, which is uh, talking about drawdown. So I guess I guess the the idea of uh, is is page uh, 61, which um, that gives you an idea of how a mammoth presentation this was. Uh, value value bonds is it's not a, it's not about growth in this situation. It's about protection from from what is known as drawdown. So, yes. not drawdown in the pension sense, which we have been picked up on uh, in terms of use of terminology before, but draw, drawdown in, in your sort of peak to trough loss yeah. uh, in, in, a, in a tough market. So, so the maximum drawdown. Um, so, if you have a portfolio, ten percent value stocks, ninety percent bonds, uh, then, then then your average, uh, in, in, then it's it's thirteen percent has been your max drawdown in 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 recessions. Um, that, that that would show global value and global bonds sixty forty forty percent fall. Um, uh, just um, so we're actually looking, so the balanced portfolio sixty forty equity bonds, um, which which is sort of looked at in the in, uh, the intelligent investor by Ben Graham, your maximum drawdown is thirty six point four percent, and that's equity generally. Without, general without actually, any that, sort of any, any factor sort of tilt, smart beta any factor, factor type tilt, um, still style tilt in old money. Yep. Um, and uh, global value and, and just global value and global bonds, the max drawdown is thirty nine point six. So it's the value and bonds is 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 still you know, slightly more more dangerous, but the larger falls. But what's interesting is is that is that you compare that with if you look at your risk adjusted returns, um, and and the reward for that little bit of extra risk, um, your average annualized returns are eleven point four percent with the value bond strategy compared to six point nine with the balanced. So although you'll suffer that little bit more pain, and to be honest, if you've lost 36.4%, then, then you know, that's probably psychologically as painful as 39.6% really. Um, but over time, your annualized rate of return over 11.4 versus 6.9 when you're, you know, with the magic of compounding um, is it, worth it. Mm, no value. Yeah. Say, uh, something algae has been looking at. I know something yeah. that Phil has been looking at. What, what do they mean? What are, what are SG defined as, as value then? I mean, they, I know they've got some sort of valuation views on this well they've got some interesting indices on this um so they, they've actually got something called uh, a, a a quality income uh, which oh, is yeah. which which is actually uh which is sort of a, which is obviously it's called quality income but it's actually sort of a value strategy in a way because it's sort of dividend yield um and, and and you know sort of 
good earning comes but but with strong balance sheets and and, and that's a sort of smart beta index index and that has outperformed um so that that's very interesting it's, it's funny actually just to, to uh, go off on a little tangent phil oakley's piece this week in the magazine is looking at uh valuation metrics he's looking at the pe and actually the the impact of debt on valuations uh, and how it can be a, a fact which which means that certain 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 metrics certain yardsticks become very misleading uh something might look cheap but debt could actually change the whole perspective on that um, completely, um, which is Felix telling you how to sort of get around. Um, that, that's interesting. That that quality value is is something that you should be looking for rather than just well, cheapness. That, that's um, going back to the three hundred and fifty article that I've written. Um, Let's talk about that. Let's, uh, so I've uh, I have screened um, sector by sector against companies in similar indices and tried to pick a fairly diverse selection of stocks based on on not too many from from one individual sector so so diverse um, but i've also but more concentrating the fact that i've only picked 13 stocks this year um, and I've actually kept a bit in cash, um, which is cheating a bit. But that is I, cheating. I, it's completely cheating. In well, it's, to- it's well, it's totally cheating in feature. an equity-related feature. But I actually, uh, I think uh, I want equity returns where I believe in them, and uh, and uh, I'm not sort of picking in sectors that the UK market. I don't think. Uh, is very strong in all, all the good companies are very expensive. Um, not retailer, think, no, I, well, no, no retailers. Although I have got Games Workshop, which it's kind of a retailer. It's kind of a retailer. It's not really value though. It's not. No, no, not that's cheap, so. Cheap. So, it's, it's, so it's the I have some value stocks and I have some um, some some quality stocks as well. So it's it's uh, it's a mix of styles and uh, and and actually I think uh, you know uh, there are some companies that are expensive, but but I think look worth it. So, so, so yeah, maybe not talking value in the in the technical factor sense, but in terms of you know what I'd be prepared to pay for something, um, and uh, and then there's a mix. There's some other companies in there, like uh, let's say Triple Eight Holdings, which uh, you know has some potential regulatory issues, but actually uh, looks very strong. Um, you know, it looks very good, strong on financial metrics, and uh, and is actually relatively cheap because of some of those uh, other problems. I mean, the FTSE three fifty as you. Or, uh, Certainly the FTSE 250, but you know the FTSE 350 uh, outside of the the bigger sort of multinational companies. You know, as you say, it's a very domestically focused or historically a very domestically focused index. Have you struggled to find companies that that kind of meet your criteria in 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 the FTSE 350? You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of nervousness out there. There are a lot of companies who are weak. Um, Stock screens. I mean, Algae's great expectation screen this week has struggled to find any candidates. I think there was one, and, well, and, and, and it came out with a fantastic trading update before we went to press. So hmm. that uh, there's none now. Um, did you struggle in the same way? Yes. I mean, that's as I said. Uh, there, there's. Um, I found that that the good companies um, were very expensive. So if you were to look at them on a on a forward earnings, well, well yeah, it's a fine. So you, you might pay that for for, um, for a growth stock. But then if you look at sort of the, the, the price to earnings growth ratio, a lot of them were on sort of two, three, four times. Uh, and you want below one really for for, to, for sort of for good value for growth. Um, so so I, I avoided some of those companies. So there are some good companies um, in, in sectors that, that I just, uh, well, I'm just, not prepared to pay that price for them now because I think that you know, the, the the market is going to face enough headwinds and anything over. Because we've seen with um, you know, sort of I mean, going back to retailers, but companies like like like, like Next and and Boohoo that that are quite good companies, but have um, been very uh, vulnerable um, to to any sort of minor um, disappointment because they're they're so expensively priced. 
And it, so, if, and if we do tip into a recession next year, and I think a lot of companies, uh, growth companies on those sort of stretch valuations, uh, are going to be vulnerable. And you mentioned eight eight eight. I guess one of the big prizes for that sector, for the uh, for the gambling industry, is is not in the UK. Well, the US, exactly. Uh, absolutely. So, so is, I mean, is, is is a sort of non-UK buyer something that you've you've looked at? Uh, I've I've looked at so a few companies so um one of the ones i'm uh, least keen on but I, I kept it anyway was bae systems so uh, sort of a, an inter an industrial stock with um uh you know with, it serves into some international markets and, and defense cheap, it is right. cheap yeah it is cheap but it's it's got it, it's sort of um it's got a bit more debt than some of the other companies that i've looked at but still not a huge amount there's about sort of 26 27 percent of, of capitalization off the top of my head um so i would you know i i'd, I'd be prepared for, for that so some of these companies um um i've also got glaxo in there um, so some of the, the, the bigger companies that, that, that are a bit more international than, than some of the UK focus, but um, but it's been a consideration. But but fundamentally, this is a this is a basically I use SharePad. I look at I look at company metrics. I have a brief look over what um, the writers in the IC have, have, have said about a company. Um, it's a starting point. I should stress that as well. Um, the, the 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 portfolio last year um, we had we actually underperformed. Um, which I guess, you know, it was a concentrated portfolio, that's the risk. What was in there last year? Um, well, the worst one was Playtech, which was absolutely, uh, you know, nearly halved. Yeah, funny company, that. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, um, but again, I mean, I, 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 I tried to, um, you know, I've, I've, I've been very conscious about um, sort of... Uh, balance sheet um, weakness and uh, and you know what you're paying for any any growth that's priced in so it, it's in some sense it's uh, style agnostic but uh, but um, and, and it's, it's not strictly a value portfolio but I've tried to include some genuine value stocks and and other stocks that have slightly defensive characteristics that um, that, that I don't think you're paying too much for it's, it's interesting it's a bit of fun yeah it's, yeah, uh, it's fun what you, what you can glean from uh, i fully from expect uh, the readers to 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 give me a, a good shellacking uh, on the on the comment section on the website i'll, for... give, you, I'll give you a good shellacking as well yeah. <laughs> so, no, that's, i mean that's absolutely fascinating i think um it's really i mean the, the sg presentation i'm just flicking through it again it's it's mm. mind-boggling the amount of data they've got in here i think it will keep us going for the next six months yeah that's uh, it's, uh, it's it's a it's a treasure trove and uh, it's um really really what i think one of the highlights of the year yeah, I mean, it, it also slightly terrifying. Terrifying, but but you know, it's um, uh, it, it won't be that bad. I mean, in, it, to to cheer myself up, it's, uh, in a couple of weeks' time, I've got the hopefully Dimson Marsh and Staunton presentation um, where they they're they're um, authors of Triumph of the Optimist, where they look at the long run equity returns and equity premium. Um, which... I guess I mean I, I love that book mm. book. Well, it started as a book, and now it's, it now it's become an um, annual source book um, sponsored by Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I've, I've always loved looking at that because I guess the one thing that tells you about investing is that if you stick with it and you don't panic at these, these terrible times, and yeah, you can kind of mess around, but, you know, as long as you don't kind of like head for the hills and, you know, Stick everything in cash and buy a Brexit box and lock yourself in a cupboard. Then, then you're going to do okay. Well, that's another thing that Phil said actually said in his Alpha report as well. It's um, you don't um, run completely for the hills into cash. Um, and, and and while I have cheated and I've put twelve and a half percent in cash in my allocation for this portfolio, that's largely basically because I want to stay invested in, in in equities. If I if I if I was doing this with my own money, which obviously we're not allowed to do, but um, if I was doing it with my own money, then I would want a bit of cash there just to protect against. Uh, if the, there is a, 
a drawdown in equity markets. But actually, um, I'd be happy to own some of these companies over a two, three year cycle, but over 12 months, you know, the possibility of uh, getting beaten up once more is always there. I, th- I think there's something else to say about cash. And it's, it's not just that you're protecting against downside, uh, but it's giving you the opportunity to, to take advantage of serious market weakness should it arise yeah and, and you, want, you want some firepower oh yeah you've got you've got something you've got some some yeah exactly you've got some powder left dry for to pick up um, you know say say that a really good company say uh, um you know spirax circo suddenly becomes cheap um then that's the time to jump in and buy that a really top quality uk company that's probably just uh you know, looks a bit too pricey and you thought oh, i'd love to have got in on that when it was cheaper yeah absolutely interestingly uh in the uh, personal finance section this week taha uh Lokandwala has looked at how you how you uh play with your cash position uh, particularly when you're worried about uh volatile markets and i, I, th- I think i think he concludes pretty much what what we always conclude is that it's kind of it's not actually that simple I mean, no. moving into cash is not that simple. There are many factors to consider. And it's something John Barron often says when he presents at our events is that, you know, if you miss, if you have gone into cash and you miss the days where after a bear market where things start to swing back, you miss mm. out on a lot of returns. You miss out on a huge amount of returns, yeah. Um, I mean, if you, I think you've missed um, a lot of the upside in equity investing comes in the very early stages of bull markets. Um, and and people, if you if you're sort of a Johnny come lately, so that's why you, you stay invested. Um, you know, you, you need uh, you need always need to have enough uh, income to cover your your um, you know, cover your expenses and um, and and to to meet to meet sort of sh- uh, little surprises that happen in life. But but in general, um, just uh, you, you really you have as as little cash as you can get away with with doing that um and sometimes uh, you you get out of the the overall markets or get into to sort of shorter duration bond instruments uh, when when equities uh, do look a bit ropey but but you know but fundamentally you should stay invested and that's kind of what the the the, the credit suisse yearbook shows yeah which is a, a sort of interesting conclusion for for uh, you know utter pessimists to uh, to take that that actually they too are optimists in the se- in the same sense as the uh, uh, as dimson marsh and Thornton. yes well as i said well the, the um, if you look at the um the SG um, presentation. So um, uh, then, then yeah, the, the, these strategies, these mixed strategies, uh, they're, they're precisely designed um, to, to keep you in the upside and protecting some of the downside. Um, and in, in, in his uh, um, in his one sales pitch that he allowed himself, uh, Albert, um, he did he did have, a, have an amusing slide of uh, of, a, of a bloke uh, who'd um, been doing some sort of industrial machine work, and a thing had chipped off and smashed into his goggles. That sounds fun. And, and that, well, but, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 the, but but the, the the caption was because he was wearing protection he still has his right eye and they, uh, so so that that's kind of the the principle here is you, you know you you don't get out of markets but you but make you sure protect you're protected yeah. yeah absolutely uh, thanks James it's absolutely fascinating we could we could probably talk all day on this presentation it's uh, it's it's extraordinary um, anyway and, and uh, yeah I look forward to the FTSE three hundred and fifty next week uh, it's it's a mammoth a mammoth undertaking uh, that we we. Uh, we pain we painfully get through every January when everyone's still sort of easing back into office life after Christmas. But um, I, ho- I hope it's going to be worth it. Uh, thank you, James. Um, just to talk you through what else we've got in the magazine. Um, 
It's still quite quiet on the the results front, uh, but we've we've got some updates, most of them from the retail sector, uh, as as you would expect. Not all that great in the main. Uh, The odd bit of of, of, uh, good news coming out of their Games Workshop, being one of them who had some results this week, which looked pretty good. Uh, Only a page results. uh, That will start uh, picking up as we we head into February. All the usual uh, comment uh, tips. John Rosier has updated his portfolio this year. He too is optimistic. Which, uh, which would seem sort of somewhat counterintuitive given what we endured at the end of last year. And of course, we've got the cover feature, Surviving Brexit. Uh, it's a portfolio that, that's done very well. Lots more uncertainty to come from Parliament, I expect, so uh, possibly one to stick with. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, Surviving Brexit, a portfolio that protects against political turmoil. Head to the newsagent and pick that up if you can, or get online and subscribe. And uh, we will be back again next week. Thanks for listening.